And welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Done on Google Meeting after a failed attempt at StreamYard, but that doesn't matter right now. Nick Santola joins me from the After Further Review podcast. Done for All New York Sports. He is an All New York Sports editor. Does a lot of articles. Check him out. And we have a lot to talk about today. Nick has some stuff to say, which was one of the reasons he came on um, a lot. And there's some stuff that is not Giants related. So, Nick, uh, any first thoughts before I set the floor for the next couple minutes? Well, uh, just, I mean, as a football fan, like, that just didn't seem right as a way to end the season. I mean, these players, absolutely, all, all 32 teams, all the three players on each roster, they all made sacrifices. Their families all made sacrifices. And and honestly, <clears throat> to end the season that way with that blatant, blatant form of purposeful losing, just it just didn't leave a good taste in my mouth. Like, there, there was some... Obviously, it was intentional. Doug Peterson knew what he was doing, but it just feels disrespectful not not only to the team that's relying on you to make the playoffs and their 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 season, but it's just every other organization in, in football as well. It just just didn't sit right. Let me put a disclaimer out there because I'm gonna talk about this. This is a Giants Yankees podcast, and I'm not disappointed that the Giants didn't make the playoffs. I had some hopes. But I was fully expecting it. Giants went 6-10 and 10 this year. The whole NFC East was bad. You really expect them to make the playoffs? This is a building team. And we got pieces to add. Sure, if we would have won the Bucks game. The, let's go with the Steelers game. The Bears game. There's Every team has their games where they said, Ah, shucks, I should have won it. Maybe we go back one time. and Maybe we have a matchup again. And maybe we win. Every team has those games every season. The Giants had... Those share games, and they didn't win the games like the Eagles game, like the Cowboys game. They lost those leads and didn't get them back. You have those games as a team and a building team. So, the leaders are right when it comes to Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers. They're right when they say, you know what, it's our fault for having to depend on a rival to knock out a rival and we go in. They're right. And, you know, let me get into why I brought Nick on, or at least the center point of why I brought him on. And I'm going to set the floor with this. Doug Peterson, you are some sort of disgrace to the National Football League. And it's sad that Eagle fans are actually sitting here and supporting him and ripping their own players because they're coming out and saying, you know, that was really a bad move by Peterson just to take out Jalen Hurts. There are so many situations and so many, you know, things that go into that game, into this season, that Doug Peterson just threw out the window. And normally I wouldn't talk about this. Normally, you know, it's a COVID season right now. And players made sacrifices like Nick said. Players had to cancel uh, family birthdays, family get-togethers, Christmas, all these things. Even in a normal season, would you really want to end the season this way? 
So let me retract to the beginning here. Doug Peterson said, look, we're going to start Jalen, but Nate Sudfeld is going to come in. That's the Eagle fan argument. You know, oh, he said he was going to come in. You're forgetting one part. Just like you're forgetting another part, and I'll explain it later. The part you're forgetting is that Doug Peterson said that Nate Sudfeld would come in if the game was not close. The game was close. It was three points, I believe. If not six, that's one score. But I'm sorry, Eagle fans. I'm sorry, Doug Peterson. To your coach, it's two scores. Why? Because he goes for it on fourth down 35 times this season. He's an analytics bug. They're trying to make football into baseball here. Or other way around. Doug Peterson is blinded by analytics. And the thing you guys complain about this whole season, oh, he goes, at a, oh, he goes for fourth down too much. Now you're defending him? Because, oh my God, you get the sixth pick. You guys are something else. And I've never hated two of my NFC East rivals as much as I do today. As much as I do this week. Because not only do the Eagles do that and embarrass themselves on national TV and make the league look like a bunch of fools... I had a Cowboys fan actually go on my page and start arguing with me and defend the Eagles. That's silly. And I don't know if Nick can agree with me here. In the first quarter, maybe going to the second quarter, the Cowboys were playing some dirty football. I mean, seriously. You look at one of the plays after a run play. Jordan Lewis, the corner, he headbutted the chin of Caden Smith. He could have broke his jaw if Smith didn't have the right protection on. Now, I'm not going to criticize the refs for everything here. I think in some of the cases, they should have thrown the flags earlier to stop it. But they were playing dirty. Three personal foul penalties. Jordan Lewis, Randy Gregory, and there was another player. I think Jalen Smith also got a penalty as well. If not, it was somebody else. The uh, oh my god, I know what you're talking about. I mean, he, he came up like, oh, what did I do wrong? You know. Yeah. It was it was along the near sideline, right? I think so. But let's go back to the point about the Eagles, shall we? Let's go off to the points that it actually helps the Giants that the Eagles themselves are hurting their locker room now. Apparently, according to reports. Howie Roseman directed this, the general manager. But Peterson had the final say. And I normally don't dictate on other teams. But tanking is wrong. Now you could say, oh, you're only saying this because of the Eagles. The Jets and the Jaguars have a fair share in tanking too. They're doing wrong by the league. But we'll get to that in about two minutes. Let's go on the laundry list of everything that went wrong after the benching. Jalen Hurts pictured saying it's not right on the sideline. Two players had to be restrained from Doug Peterson. Jason Kelsey and another offensive starter attempted to ask Peterson, why did you do this? Remember two weeks earlier, Jason Kelsey made a statement about how you're supposed to win in the National Football League. How you're supposed to play to win. Nick, you remember that? I saw that this morning. Miles Sanders today on radio said that the coaches were confused and disappointed and the players didn't know what he was doing. The Eagles fans are sitting here defending it. 
But let's be honest, Eagle fans. You may blow that sixth pick. From six to nine, I don't think it makes a difference. You play to win the game. No, not not with their not with their roster and positional needs. It wouldn't have made that much of a difference. Let's go back before we go to the tanking and the pick. What did the players have to sacrifice for this COVID season? They had to sacrifice time with families. Today, a report came out that said Burton Burns, the running back coach for the Giants, had not seen his family and his grandsons and his granddaughters and his grandchildren and his wife since July. Players are making these sacrifices. Even go to other sports, the MLB, the NBA, and the NHL. The NBA and the NHL, they didn't see their families for a couple of months because they were in a bubble. Because to make money, they had to be away from their families. They're making sacrifices. As much as I think you know, some people and some athletes can be really stuck up with the way they view things, they're making sacrifices. You know? Even in a non-COVID season, some of these players, they may die. They may not even get another shot in the NFL. If their last memory in the NFL is losing because their coach wanted to, that's going to be a sad memory. Let's be honest, everybody. And Doug Peterson on radio defending it, he's like, you know what, Jalen was struggling. You know, the offense was struggling. He was 7 for 20. Sudfeld gives you a better chance. If Sudfeld gives you a better chance, then why did you draft a quarterback? Then why didn't you just keep Sudfeld for the last couple of years? And you did. Why didn't you make him start over Carson Wentz if Carson Wentz is the big problem? Carson Wentz was not injured. He was a healthy scratch like most of the starters. Miles Sanders, Fletcher Cox. I don't like Fletcher Cox right now Miles because he's, he's literally standing up for his dumb coach and attacking Giant fans and Eli. That's who I don't have respect for. One of the players. But Jason Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz, gaining respect, in my opinion. That's the way I see it because they shared a last moment on Lincoln Financial Field together a couple hours after the game. Zach Ertz, he's got one year on his contract. It sucks that he's very injury prone. He's a very productive tight end. One of the best in the league if he doesn't get injured. The Eagles, they didn't talk to him about an extension. In a meeting with the press, he wants to be here. He was crying, I think. Almost. Carson Wentz. His relationship is very diminished with Doug Peterson. In this COVID season. Jason Kelsey. As I mentioned it earlier. He made a statement saying you need to play to win in this league. J.J. Watt made an alike statement. I think it was a week ago or two weeks ago. But Doug Peters is going to throw that out on the line. Now let's go into the pick. Okay. The last first round pick the Eagles made was Jalen Rager. Pick before that. Andre Dillard offensive tackle. What happened to Dillard? He's faced a couple injuries in the first years of his career. Season ending this year. That's why they resigned Jason Peters. That's why they had to play a rugby left tackle. Jalen Rager. I think he got concussed, actually, and got taken out of the Washington game. Yes. Mm-hmm. The second round pick from last year, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, hasn't produced at all. 
made a couple nice plays in that game, but yeah, when it's supposed oh, to count. Other than that, nothing, nothing at all. So, what's the point of tanking for the sixth overall pick if your coaches aren't going to teach that player how to be an NFL star? And if your GM's not going to draft the talent. And don't give me this bullshit. Oh, you know, well, we face injuries every year. Well, you know what, buddy? Why don't you... Why doesn't your team evaluate the back-end talent on your team? Because you know what? Teams like the Yankees in baseball and teams like the Steelers from last year, they evaluate talent properly. They evaluate talent on the back-end and coach the players enough so that those backup players... Could be ready for game time. In incidental situations. And if you're going to sit here and throw at me, oh, the Steelers and the Chiefs, you know they rested their starters. Because they don't want their starters getting hurt. Now, if Jalen Hurts was hurt, I would say, okay. You know what? Bench him, Nate Sudfeld, rest of the game. If they were hurt, I would say, okay. Not to mention, Jalen Hurts is a rookie quarterback and he needs help progressing. Doug Peterson is an offensive coach. I'm sorry, but let's go out to 2017 real quick with the Giants. Okay? couple games after Eli was benched, Davis Webb was drafted that year as the third-round pick out of California at Texas Tech. Starter in front of Pat Mahomes. I think, I think he was out of... No, I think he was out of Cal. Well, he actually transferred from Texas Tech to Cal. Oh, did he? I didn't yeah. know that. So let's ask this big question. Now, I know the New York media is very harsh. But why didn't Steve Spagnuolo say, okay, for the last game of the season, we need to see what we have in Davis Webb. So, Davis, you're going to start. He didn't say that at all. He said, you know what, Eli, you're going to start. Because we're going to try to win football games. They got shut out against the Cardinals. And they made Davis Webb active the last game of the season. But who did they play? They played Eli Manning. And they won that game. Now let's stretch over to 2018-2019 with Pat Shermer. 2019, let's zip to real quick. Okay? Evaluating the rookie quarterback. He kept them in against the Eagles. They were eliminated from playoff contention for about a couple of weeks. Team was what? 4-11 at the time. Pat Shermer knew, even if he got a win, that he would get fired. Did he say, you know what? We're going to see what we have in a backup in Alex Tanney. No, he didn't say that. He said, you know what? Let's put in Daniel Jones, see what he's got, see if he can get a win for us, and maybe we get the five wins. Me and Nick, now I'm pretty sure Nick is on the same side with me. We didn't sit here and say, you know what? We shouldn't have won the Washington game. Uh, let's go get Chase Young. This is another point the Giants fans are stupid with. Would you rather no, have... I... Would you rather have Chad Slade or Nate Solder at left tackle and then have Solder opt out and you don't have a tackle? And don't give me this, oh, it would have been Matt Parrott. No, because we don't know if they would have drafted Matt Parrott. We don't know if they would have drafted McKinney because left tackle was such a need. I would rather protect my franchise quarterback and keep the defense we have now than add an edge rusher to an already good defense than boil my franchise quarterback with an offensive line that is so incompetent and has no chance of growing. Thomas, the last look couple what games, happened. Let yeah. you finish. Look, look, look what happened with David Carr. 
That's all I'll say. David Carr was a solid, solid college quarterback. He went to the expansion Texans, who had no protection and no way of helping him, and he they just ran him into the ground. Everybody, everybody remembers De- David Carr as a bust. David Carr was a good quarterback. He just had no help. Seventy-six sacks that season. The Texans' offensive line gave up. Seventy-six sacks. But let's go back to the Eagles' point, shall we? And I'm going to move into my tanking thing with this. And I know I'm probably already taking up 20, 15 minutes, but who cares? My show. Glad to have Nick on it. With the tanking stuff. Running all out, baby. Your offensive line. Gave up the most sacks in the NFL this year. Because, you know what? Injuries happen all around the league. Jason Peters, season-ending injury, and I don't know if he's going to retire or be set to a free agent. I don't know if other players are coming back. Dillard's supposed to come back, but Brooks got injured. So your offensive line had 14 different combinations throughout the season. And I understand Again, injuries happen. 49ers, they had a load of injuries. But you know what? Good teams, again, find a way to evaluate that backup talent. And if you notice a trend, and this is for GMs, this is for owners, this is for coaches, this is for fans. If you notice a trend that your team is very bad with the injury bug, how about you get a haul of draft picks Or sign some quality free agents so you could back up those quality players and that talent with some quality backups and you still have shots to win games. One of the reasons you're 4-11-1 this season is because there is no talent on the Eagles' back end. That's one of the reasons they're going to be the basement of the NFC East next year. Cowboys I have some faith in because they had a bad defense and Dak was out. And I don't know if they're going to fire Mike Nolan. But you know what? That's the defensive That's the defensive coordinator. Was actually the defensive coordinator in 1992 with the Giants. But I don't know if his game has changed since then, which would actually be very, very weird. I would think that something had to change. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole different dynamic. This league, that one. So, Eagle fans, you want to say, "Oh, the Giants are six and ten. They're just mad." We're six and ten, and you're four eleven and one. You're sitting here having a losing mentality. Differences from what the Giants did and the Eagles did, and all the other tanking teams did. The Giants in the past couple of seasons, even with Jerry Reese's GM, they didn't tank. They said, you know what, we got to play to win. This is the Giants' culture. And then you'll see what pick you end up at. The Eagles, the Jags, the Jets. Those are three dysfunctional franchises. Dysfunctional franchises tank and class acts like the Giants and the New England Patriots, because the Patriots had nothing to play for last week. They won against the stymie Jets. They won even though they had nothing to play for, because that's Belichick. That's a class act. We may not like Belichick for his cheating, but it's the truth. They won because they said, you know what? We have players, you know, let's go out and try to win this football game because we don't know. Who might be playing for the last time? That's why I had a problem with a lot of 
what happened with the preseason. Because the NFL didn't give the backups a true chance to flourish at some point. They ruined the strength and conditioning in some of the players. Nick Bosa. And all people say, you know, let's you know blame the MetLife turf. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Saquon Barkley. All season-ending injuries. Thank you. No preseason. You had so much time to prepare for this COVID-filled season. Testing. All that. But they didn't do it. They just twiddled their thumbs. Nick, I'll let you finish. To piggyback off that, that Belichick point. Um... They had absolutely no reason to start Cam Newton in that game. None at all. He's not under contract next year. Hoyer's not under contract next year. The only quarterback they have on their roster next year is Jared Stidham out of Auburn. That is a young quarterback in which hasn't shown much at the NFL level, hasn't shown much at all. But give him a start. See what you got. That's the situation where I'm like, okay, it's okay to see what you have. When you have, you know, when you don't know what your quarterback situation is going to be like next year, when you don't have guys under contract, they have once locked up for a long, long time under a obscene amount of money, and they have Jalen Hurts for the next three years now because his rookie rookie years over. Obviously, the next three years that can be their quarterback of the future should they want it. There is no reason to play Nate Sudfeld there. Let me point out three things. I'm going to ask you this because I think you'll know. Did Belichick still have a winning game plan? Yeah. He won the game. That's point number one. Number number two. Giants benched Eli Manning in favor of Geno Smith. Geno Smith was on a one-year contract and was not coming back next year. Davis Webb, that's a different story. But without the Super Bowl rings and all the streaks on the line, you could relate that to what happened on Sunday. Number three, you can relate, again, with, you know, the amount of what's on the line to what Aaron Boone did with Divey Garcia in ALDS Game 2. He took him out early. Now, it was the fourth quarter for Jalen Hurts, but the timing, it still meant something for both. It was right after a score. It was right after a scoring drive, wasn't it? It was right after, I believe, the fourth down conversion was failed. And he missed the throw because he was under pressure. But my point is this. You are destroying the confidence of both of those players by doing that. Peterson and Boone. And Boone has accomplished more than Peterson has. Peterson, you know what? I'll give it to him. I might take that back a little because Peterson yeah, I mean, has a one ring. won a ring, the other yeah, one. He, yeah, he won a ring. But you are destroying the confidence of both those players by doing such. Because Divey Garcia, unless he gets traded, he's a part of the Yankees' future in that rotation. Jalen Hurts, you drafted him as the second-round quarterback this year. Carson Wentz, he's not doing well. You diminished the relationship with him. Now you're going to do that to your rookie? Does that make sense? No, it does not. Because you're destroying the confidence. And no way in hell do you bench a rookie quarterback. Maybe the Dolphins shouldn't have done it. Maybe they should have. I don't know. I have to look into the situation. But which goes <coughs> to my next point. Tanking is wrong. And it's going to ruin the NFL if the NFL doesn't step in and say something. They won't because, you know what? They, they know this is going to generate money somehow, some way. The Jets and Jaguars. 
Now, you may say, oh, you know, uh, you're not condemning the Jets and the Jaguars or making a brouhaha about it. Well, you know what? I will now. Because those franchises have been so incompetent for years, even after the 2015 run by the Jets, even after the 2017 run by the Jaguars, both franchises remain incompetent. Now, let's ask this. The Jets, they didn't fire Adam Gase until Week 17, but they fired Greg Williams after the Raiders game. Now, in my opinion, that wasn't stupidity what Williams did. I feel like they were trying to do that on purpose because there's no way you call a cover zero blitz. Normally, in that situation, you man three up deep, whatever that play is. You put three safeties deep and you put the defensive backs deep and you see what happens. Maybe it would have been collateral damage or, you know, maybe it would have been a colossal thing for it to be a Jets thing if they actually did that and the Raiders still got a touchdown. But should franchises that are dysfunctional for years to come be rewarded with the highest or second highest draft pick? They should not. I don't know any plans that would formally stop that. That's the truth. But do you want a draft lottery? I don't want a draft lottery. I'm a Knicks fan. Them being horrible for years and being in the top I was ten. About to bring, I just. You were saying. I was just about to bring that up. I'll, I'll let you finish before I go into it. Knicks are in the top ten almost every year. Maybe this year it's different, but I have you know no false hope. The Knicks were one of the worst teams, one of the top I don't know three worst teams in NBA. The Timberwolves ended up getting the first overall picks and selecting Anthony Edwards. Now, let's point to the Jets here. And the fans were supporting the tank, but the older fans were saying, you know what, shut this off. I'm not going to watch my team go 0-16, even though they actually won two games at the end. Adam Gase did not switch the game plan for how many weeks. And the front office, Joe Douglas, all them, they didn't call him out. They didn't say, listen, you need to change this game plan. We need to win some games. And the Jets fans, they were saying, oh, we got Quinny Williams. We got Makai Becton. What does it show when you're not having a winning culture? Now, I understand a lot of, you know, players are overshadowed because of their terrible teams. And they don't go to Pro Bowls and stuff like that. But what do Jets fans have to brag about? You're losing on purpose? And that just shows that ownership is... Very dysfunctional in some of those teams. Because Christopher Johnson, don't tell me he doesn't know that if the Jets don't win any more games, they get the one or two overall pick. And they have a lot to build around. And let me go to something else before I leave Nick for the final comments on this subject. The only way I can defend the Jags and the Jets. New quarterback, new head coach, new start. Even though no new GM for the Jets, but a new GM for the Jaguars. The Eagles, they're keeping their quarterback, not Wentz, but probably Jalen Hurts, and they still have Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman. I don't see any of them going goodbye. So, you Eagle fans, you want to learn the tanking process, you learn it from the Jets fans, you learn it from the Jaguars fans, you want to be miserable, you want to have a losing mentality, that's fine. You just help the Giants. Nick. I was going to say this, and I, it kind of just came to me. What is the common common theme between the Jets, who are constantly losing, the Knicks, who are constantly losing? Obviously, they're ha- having a better 
better season now, but the Knicks are constantly losing. The Jaguars, who have lost since their inception, and even even so, obviously there was a change, but the Mets of recent years. Do, do you see where I'm going with this? Bad front offices, bad owners. Owners, absolutely. It is it, dysfunction in an organization, and you you've seen it firsthand, starts at the top. If your lead guy doesn't give a shit, why will the rest of your organization? Christopher Johnson, the Wilpons, James Dolan. What, what's the other team I brought up? Um, the Jets? Shahid Khan. Should, whatever his name is. I don't know how to pronounce it. I know his last name's Khan. Yeah. They are in it for the money. They make the money, and they don't care what happens. It is blatantly obvious. And just to just to backtrack a little bit, I don't want to throw you off topic or anything, but I, I was going to say this before you kind of moved into this point before I could say it. I put this out on, on Twitter because <coughs> I saw somebody say it, and I didn't like it. I said, this is word for word. I'm reading, you, reading it to you guys off my phone. Like I said, here's what I'll say. Do the Giants deserve to make the playoffs? No, they don't. They won six games. Should they be there? Probably not. Washington had a fantastic season, better than most people expected. I have something to say after but you, you finish can, the quote. You cannot tell me if the roles were reversed and you were a Patriots fan hoping to get in. You were a Buccaneers fan hoping to get in. Obviously, I'm just naming random teams. There were teams that got in some teams that didn't. If you were a Jet fan hoping to get in, and this happened to you, you can't tell me you wouldn't be upset. So if you're sitting there and saying, they went 6-10, and 10, shut up, you are the problem. Because the fact of the matter is, they went 6-10, and 10, but... And we don't know. We don't know what would have happened if they left Hurts in. <laughs> Here, here's the problem that Giants fans are having. If they left Hurts in and they still lost, whatever. It doesn't matter. Washington won the game. When you put yourself out there on national television and blatantly choose to lose, clear as day to where other other players in other sports and other celebrities and things like that are calling you out on Twitter or saying things about about it on Twitter, that's a problem. The entire country had their eyes on you, and you did this. That's a problem. Let me finish off the topic with this, and we're going to actually go into the Cowboys-Giants game. If it was a game that was, okay, they played well, but Washington was the better team, I would have understood that. But Doug Peterson, being a class clown, along with the other Eagle fans supporting it, you know, took away from something special. And the story should have been Ron Rivera beats cancer, Alex Smith, 18 surgeries, near-death experience, both of them and the whole team win the NFC East. Now, everybody in that case would forget the record. And I would be willing to. But that's not the headline. The headline is Doug Peterson sits Jalen Hurts rookie quarterback for career backup. 
because you know Doug Peterson at least somewhat thought in that case that he was going to be the shining star over the next week and a half. Great job, Doug Peterson. You're about yourself. You're an analytic bug that will ruin the game of football. And I hope Andy Reid is very disappointed in you. And I hope he wishes that you didn't come from his tree. I'm sorry. You can say, oh, you won a Super Bowl. Eagles fans can say that. That's a fluke. Because you know what? You put a statue of Nick Foles outside your stadium. Where is he? He's with the Bears. Before that, he was with the Jaguars. Eagle fans, when you're in the basement of the NFC East for the next couple of years, don't come crying to me. Don't come crying to me. Now let's get into some positive stuff. The Giants definitely beat the Cowboys. 23-19. I'm going to remark something before I move into the positives and the negatives. Um, This is the first time the Giants, since 2016, have owned the divisional winner... They own the Redskins slash football team. And they won against their other two opponents at least once. So they were 4-2 in their division when it came to matching up against other teams. Which is progress. And it's very good. And they were second place in the division since 2016. First time since 2016. So let's go into it. Daniel Jones threw for two passing touchdowns. Besides a couple of throws, I did not have an issue with him. Now, let me say this. Absolutely not. You can... Absolutely not. And they're going like, <laughs> to... Everybody's going to look at the stat sheet, the box score, and go, oh, well, he threw an interception. No, he didn't. That's Evan Ingram's fault. And he's been yeah. involved in six interceptions this season. Daniel Jones has thrown 10 interceptions this season. That's 60% of the turnovers that Daniel Jones has committed when it comes to throwing the football. Fumbling, that's another story. I mean, he's gotten so much better with that. But I think that if the turnover didn't happen, you can call this a Daniel Jones one game. And Cowboy fans, you can blame your bullfrog-headed coach for not challenging that Pettis catch. Because it wasn't a catch. Oh, my God. I, I, I didn't see it live. I was watching Red Zone at the time. But I, I looked up the video after somebody told me about it oh my god how first of all how they call that a catch is beyond me second of all how you don't listen to the guys in upstairs in the booth telling you this isn't a catch because there's no way they watched that and went that's a catch everybody it everybody with a pair of eyes knew that wasn't a catch and mccarthy didn't throw the challenge flag my friend actually called me after the game and was laughing at Skip Bayless for calling Mike McCarthy a boob on Twitter. And I, I turned to him with a dead serious face and I said, well, Mike McCarthy is a boob. <laughs> He's a moron. He just sits there on the sideline doesn't do anything. But, you know, that's their own fault for losing. And going back to my point. If the turnover doesn't happen, and maybe if the controversial catch doesn't happen or whatever, and the Giants end up winning this by seven points, now can you say it's a Daniel Jones one game? Even though the time of possession was very lopsided, could you call it a Daniel Jones one game? I would, because his stats were better than 
previous games. He only got sacked twice, threw the one turnover again, but you minus that if you're looking at the stats in a Daniel Jones one game. Two touchdowns, 229 passing yards, and only eight incompletions. So I think that's pretty good. Now, you look at the receiving game, Dante Pettis and Sterling Shepard were the main guys there. Shepard had a touchdown, Pettis had a touchdown, eight receptions, 112 yards, 14 per catch, and one touchdown, as I said. Dante Pettis, two receptions, 43 yards, and then obviously the 33-yard touchdown. And by the way, Jones has the best passer rating when it comes to throwing downfield this season. I'm pretty sure, at least. Or it's either above 20 yards. But either way, that's an impressive stat if you're wondering if Daniel Jones is the future of this franchise. Obviously, Evan Ingram, two receptions, 17 yards. Targeted four times, so he dropped, I think, one or two passes, one being the interception. Darius Slayton, two receptions, 22 yards. You look at the rushing game, 125 yards, 4.5 per carry on the ground, which is something the Giants haven't done since Seattle. And we knew going into this game that the Cowboys were the worst rushing team, and the Giants definitely hit it on the bone there. Six sacks, Leonard Williams three, Tomlinson one, Martinez one, Fackrell one. I mean, with the two first guys I listed, both of those guys are awaiting contract extensions. So they're going to be saying, three hey, what was it? Three of them, Fackrell. Fackrell as well. That's also a good point. But the two the Giants are probably going to look into and prioritize, Williams and Tomlinson. Tomlin said he said he's going to take the hometown discount or is at least willing to to stay here because he wants to be a part of this defense. I still don't understand that. Yeah, Nick doesn't understand like, why Tomlinson would oh, ever say God, that. Oh, God, so stupid. And then Williams, he's probably going to be looking for at least $20 million a year. So <laughs> he, He's not taking a hometown discount. Yeah, no way in hell. Xavier McKinney recorded his first career interception. If it wasn't for the Darnay Holmes holding call, he probably would have had to. But you know what? He had one, and it came at perfect timing. If Gallman hadn't friggin' fumbled that football, we would have called McKinney the savior of the game. Oh, my God. I, when I tell you I screamed at my TV after the first down, I was like, go down! He should have slid or something. I screamed, go down, and then he just boop, dropped the ball. I was like, no! <laughs> this can't be how it ends. I knew that the Giants recovered it when I saw it. I said, you know what? Gallman recovered it, but let's see what they say. Meanwhile, the umpire was saying, nope, Dallas football. I'm nobody, like, what? He literally, he literally sat on it. He literally sat on the football. Do you not see that? And they knocked it out after he was down, looking like, oh my god, the ball is still loose. But, you know, he fumbled it. But, again, we won that game. Allowed only two sacks. One on Caden Smith. That was Donovan Wilson's sack. But Kevin Zeitler also gave up another sack. I think they were trying to perform a, st a stun up front with Cameron Fleming. And Lawrence came out through the interior and got Dale Jones down. And, as I mentioned earlier, the Giants stayed pretty calm when Dallas played dirty. Nick Gates was getting in there. He's the tough, gritty guy. Two words that you could definitely relate to his former head coach, Pat Shermer. Because... He used to say the words tough and gritty, but I like Nick Gates this season, most consistent offensive lineman, and what do I have to say about him? You know, didn't necessarily start a fight, basically continued and finished. When the Cowboys would, you know, cheap shot us or attempt to, you know, unnecessary roughness penalties and all that stuff, Giants stayed calm, and that's what the Joe Judge, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban culture is about. So let's go into the negatives. 
Um, Ingram, as you mentioned earlier, involved in six Daniel Jones interceptions, including the one that was thrown to Donovan Wilson, or at least tipped into Donovan Wilson's hands. I don't want him on this team next year. I really don't, but Joe Judge seems to like him for some reason. And, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I, yeah. I mean, if tight end was a deep position in the NFL, which it's really not, and if tight end talent was easy to find, I would be, yeah, sure, get him off the team. I don't really know if you're going to be able to get him off the team and help your roster at the same time. I mean, you look at the top tight ends in the league. Waller, Kelsey Kittle, elite tight ends. And then you got Hunter Henry, who's like that borderline elite. And then it's like Evan Ingram, and you're like, ugh. Like, the tight end talent drop-off is crazy. I mean, the only guy that I would feel comfortable getting in in replacement of Ingram would be TJ Hawkinson, due to his age and what I think he's going to be, which I, I think he's going to be one of those top guys in a couple of years. But I think Detroit also thinks he's going to be one of those top guys in the next couple of years. So I don't think there's any way we get him. I, mean, I, I, don't, I just don't know if you're able to replace Ingram and feel good about what you did. I mean, Gronk's a free agent, but do you really want to go after that? I wouldn't. No, absolutely and not. Again, Especially- when you're talking about elite tight ends, they can do what? They can catch and they could block at both very sufficient levels. And I don't know um, what's in Gettleman's head for keeping Ingram, but I guess, you know, you really had no other go-to guy when it came to replacing Ingram. And, you know, we'll see what they do with this offseason, but they have to think at some point, you know, do, do these drops really present a great big problem as the fans think... Or is it, you know, something you could fix? Because, you know, the Pro Bowl, him going to the Pro Bowl this year shows that that is such a fan contest thing, a fan voting thing. That's such a, you know, a popularity contest thing where I don't think even Giant fans voted for Evan Ingram. I think it was just a popular name to some people. And you know what? Let's vote him in. Wanted one of the tight end positions. Again, that's a, that's um. That's a product also of how thin the position is in terms of talent. Exactly. Especially popular talent. And um, also to note, we almost let Dallas back in. And with the two turnovers, and I'll get into it in a minute. But two turnovers, obviously the Ingram interception and the uh, fumble by Gallman. Which really he should have kept his, uh, I think his elbows a little bit up more. Or at least the top one. Up more that way, you, know, you get the handoff better. But it was miscommunication there. What you can do, uh, what can you do, and almost letting yeah, Dallas back in. I think win. he just. And I don't yeah, know if I, I think said he just kind of closed down yeah. a little too fast. And I don't know if I said this earlier, and if I did, I'll say it again. Daniel Jones, this would have been a Daniel Jones one game, and if if it wasn't for the Dante Pettis catch that wasn't challenged. And maybe that would have never happened. Maybe he would have scored. Or I don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Or maybe it w- if it wasn't for the Ingram interception. Because that changed the tone on the game. And it made it closer than it was. And the offense didn't produce in the second half. Where the defense had to defend. And the Cowboys were right there. 
You know, they almost scored, but Xavier McKinney picked it off. And that was off a that was off a batted pass too, right? It wasn't a straight interception. I think it was a straight interception. He was just being pressured by Leonard Williams because he went up like this. Yeah. And he just went, you know. Uh, for some analytics, to finish it off, before I go to stock up, stock down, Andrew Thomas finished third, actually fifth, among offensive tackles and run block win rate. Will Hernandez, the, uh, the ghost left guard for the Giants, because um, he fell out of favor. I don't know why. And I have a theory to present after I go through the analytics. Didn't play a snap. Finished second among offensive guards and run block win rate. Giants finished 32nd in pass rush win rate. The Giants finished 13th in run stop win rate. The Giants finished 32nd in pass block win rate. But the Giants also finished 18th in run block win rate. Now what I'm going to say about Hernandez. And I know you share the same opinion as me. Um, and you could tell what your dad said about Hernandez. And my thing is. A, he's falling out of favor because he's from a different coaching staff. B, Lemieux is what they want to do, and they feel they can help Lemieux. And C, I think Giant fans are putting him off to the side because his rookie year was good, and then fell down the next year, and then this year he's been average. So, And I would rather have that, to be honest with you, not just because I like Hernandez. I would rather have that than I'd rather have a left guard, second-round pick that's bad, and a bust, or a second-round pick that plays six games a season but performs at an elite level. Yeah, I mean, you know what you have in Hernandez at this point. But uh, anyway, he to go back to what you said about my dad saying something, he had asked me, you know, this is how he presented the question. He said, where's that kid we drafted out of UTEP? And I, I just said, like, Hernandez? He's like, yeah. I was like, I have no idea. Like, he just, like, fell out of favor. I know they were playing him rotationally, along with that right tackle spot they were rotating in and out, which I think is not a very, very good idea to do with, with Pert and Fleming, just because if you're going to go with a rookie, stick with him. But um, I, I don't necessarily mind it with uh, Hernandez and Lemieux. Because I, I think Hernandez is a better player than this coaching staff's giving him credit for. I mean, he fell out of favor for whatever reason. He may have come into training camp out of shape or something that hasn't broken wind yet, for lack of a better term. But um, I'm sure we will find out eventually why they stopped playing. Yeah, we'll find out eventually, but it'll probably be too late, A. And B, um, you have to reconsider next year cutting Kevin Zeitler with the way the guard play is. Because if you put Lemieux at left guard, you put, put Zeitler at right guard, are you going to take a chance on a high draft pick? Or are you going to say, you know what, let's keep Zeitler, we don't like Hernandez? What would you do in that situation? Well, considering the free agents that we have to sign, the impending free agents, I should say, I don't know what our cap situation is right now. I'm I can look that up. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up as I uh, I'm saying it. But depending on what the cap situation is right now, um, the Giants can cut I believe a couple of people. They can cut Tate, save money, incur some dead cap with Solder, but save money at the same time. They can do that for Zeitler. I think it's ten or twelve million. Uh, I mentioned Tate already. I believe Cody Core about two million, and David Mayo and Spencer Pulley. I think that goes out to fifty-four million, if I'm not mistaken, 
and then you start subtracting with Williams extension, with Tomlinson extension, with other free agents if you want to put it in there. I know Spot Track, they have like a mini GM thing where you get to subtract and you like get to be a GM and you get to subtract and add yeah, players you, to your cap you or can, whatever. You can you can do that on over the cap too. So let let's just let's just actually do that. So we're saying <laughs> cut pre June <laughs> June first, obviously, because um because this would be pre June first. So and what do you want to do? Zeitler? Cutting, um, yeah, put in Zeitler. What's the, and for giant fans that like you know cut solder post June first? What are you going to save that money for? All the free agents be gone by then. So what are you going to put it into rookie contracts? That you'll be doing in May. Doesn't make a lot of sense. The dead money on Zeitlers would be two and a half million, while you're saving twelve. Yeah, so according, that's according that's to 10, over the, basically, according to over the cap at the moment, we have eighteen point six in cap, eight uh, sixteen point eight. Excuse me, I flipped that in a uh, cap space. So when you subtract <laughs> subtract the dead money plus the savings, you're looking. We'll call, we'll call that $10 million. We'll use round numbers. Just with Zeitler alone, you're looking at um, at $26.8 million. <clears throat> So that would be... Who's next? Uh, Solder. I think it's 10 in dead cap and $6 million in savings pre-June 1st. So that would be what? Negative four? Negative four. Negative, Negative four. four and a half, yeah. Then Tate, I don't know what his situation would be. Um, It doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. It only frees up around 1.6 mil. Really? So at that point, just let him play out, yeah. 4.7 in dead and uh, 6.1 in saving. I, I did not know that, but if that's correct, sure. But if not, then... I don't know. Cody Core and David Mayo, they're small contracts, so there's no point in doing that. Uh, same with Spencer Pulley. They're small contracts, so the Giants will probably have to find out another way to free up some cap space. But uh, let's go to some final thoughts. Uh, Dave Gettleman is returning as GM. I'm going to let Nick speak after myself. But Dave Gettleman is returning as GM, something I did not expect. And, you know... People are coming out with these narratives. Oh, you know, he was a, he's now a puppet of Joe Judge because Joe Judge did everything, free agency draft, or John Mara's forgiving his first season because of Eli. The second one, I believe. This first one, I don't. Because why would you give a first-year head coach, especially coming under Belichick where a lot of people have failed, a lot of personnel decisions like Matt Rule wanted, and basically GM roles. So why would you do that? You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. People, you know, making up these real stories, but for Gettleman, look, the team's going in the right direction, and he's made a fair share of bad moves. Some of it, you know, possibly going on the cap. And some were smart moves at the time, but not smart moves now. Some were, like, bad moves at the time and smart moves now. I don't know if I just said it, but some seem like good moves then, but, you know, bad moves now, like the Solder one. Oh, we get a left tackle, but, you know, he opts out in his third season. His second season, he's not great. In the first season, he gives up half of the sacks he would in the second season. So that's a point to make there. But as far as Gettleman, team's going in the right direction. And if you stop the train now, and be like the Jets and fire the GM just because of the past two years before 2020, 
you're really doing yourself some harm. Because what the new GM will do is bring in players and get rid of some of the players on the roster. Ryan Connolly wasn't safe. A couple of the giant players before um, Dave Gettleman got here, they cut them. Robert Thomas, all the would-be thought starters. DRC was cut because of cap. Uh, JPP was traded. So you have to keep that in mind. And when you get mad at the other GM, let's just say if it did happen, you're going to be thinking, oh shit, I wanted Gettleman gone. So in my opinion, you don't stop the train when it keeps on moving. And I think in a couple of years, maybe next year, maybe the year after, you sink Gettleman into an advisor role, let him retire, and let somebody else work with Judge. And to leave it off to there, Judge said that he, you know, he's worked fine with Gettleman, which is great. Now the fans are ripping it and saying, oh, you know, um, why would he say that? First of all, even if he didn't like working with Dave Gettleman, why would he say it to attract attention to himself? Why would he openly come out and say, listen, I don't like working with this guy. He's a fat hog. Why would he say that? That's just drawing attention to yourself in the New York media. So good for Joe Judge that he works with Dave Gettleman. And you know what? Good for this franchise. Franchise moving in the right direction. Nick, I'll let you say the final say. You know, you look at some of the some of the decisions that um <clears throat> that Gettleman has made bringing in guys, and you know his fingerprints are all over it. You can't say that Judge is making these decisions because I don't know I don't know if a lot of people know, but you know we we've discussed this before that uh, Bradbury was drafted by Gettleman. Second round, twenty sixteen. Yeah, McCaffrey, he was first two, round, twenty seventeen. You know, he was brought in as as a guy Gettleman worked worked with before and liked, obviously, and it and it came out came out working and <laughs> paid off in spades. Um, yeah, a lot of the moves he makes has uh has his fingerprints all over it. So saying Judge is is in control of personnel is ludicrous, and his job coming here was to change the culture of that locker room and he absolutely has done that something i do hope i hope the giants are on prime time against the eagles next time week one or at least fox game of the week something like that because that's going to be remarked all across the league definitely and and just something to go back to i could be reading (laughs) reading these numbers these numbers incorrectly or in the incorrect order. I don't think I am because um, it says guys like Blake, like Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, you know, Andrew Thomas, guys that were just signed to contracts have a ridiculous amount of dead money if they were to be cut, which makes a lot of sense because they were just signed. I could be reading these numbers wrong, but cutting Nate Solder pre-June 1st, 2021, due to the fact that he opted out would cost us 10.5 million and save us six so negative four right exactly and along with the other moves with saving you know how much from tate and saving 10 million from zeitler i think it is uh whatever we'll see this off season though um that pretty much wraps up this episode <laughs> of the big blue in the bronx podcast uh 
Last day I'm actually talking about a Giants game, even though I will be in the future, but you know, just doing my weekly recaps and then stock up, stock down, and all that other stuff. Um, I don't know if I did stock up, stock down. I don't think I did, but just to recap it quickly, um, Evan Ingram is the stock down, stock up, Leonard Williams, Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell, um, I'm missing one, Dalvin Tomlinson, Daniel Jones, Dante Pettis, Sterling Shepard, James Bradbury, Xavier McKinney. So those are the main guys that I got out there, got it out quickly. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and CastBox. Subscribe to the YouTube channel for notifications so you get the notification to join the conversation, whether it's a podcast video or it's a rant or whatever. Turn that notification button on. Follow us on social media at Big Blue in the Bronx on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is where I'm the most active. You can also follow Nick after Further Review Podcast on Instagram. Nick Santola on Twitter. Santola Nick on Instagram. He also writes for All New York Sports. So whenever they don't do a podcast episode, and I know he told me that there's been some circumstances in the last couple weeks that he always writes articles at least once a week. So go read his articles. Good writer, good editor. Nick, thank you for coming on, and I want to have you on some point for maybe even Yankees talk. Absolutely, whenever you need it.